Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Postcast. David Locke, along with Ron Boone, after each and every jazz game, the radio team joins you for a little post-game show on the internet on Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for subscribing on iTunes or your Android or however it is you get this program. If it's at weareutahjazz.com, greatly appreciate it. Jazz beat the magic tonight, 87-75. If this was a ride at Disney World, Disney World would have gone out of business. The Orlando Magic were trying to win stuffed animals at Disney World. They would have walked home with none. Their effective field goal percentage was below 40% tonight. That I'm not sure I've seen very often. Some of that is great Jazz defense. Some of that is just Orlando can't shoot straight. But the Jazz outscore the Magic 27-10 to in the fourth quarter of this game. And it was an interesting night because... Gordon Hayward kept them in the game, and then I said they're just not going to let – they had just decided they were not going to let Gordon beat him, and other guys made plays in the fourth quarter, and the defense was stifling. And Gordon did not score in the fourth quarter, but thank goodness that, um, what, Rodney Hood comes to life, and and the Jazz ended up outscoring the Heat in that fourth quarter 27-10. But it was an ugly win, but, you know, it was a win. But, you know, we go back to when we've been good at times, and we've talked about winning ugly. And this was – I think Quinn has a vision of when this team's going to be elegant and beautiful and look like a Ballet West production for the Nutcracker in the new Eccles Center or something like that. But there are going to be nights, I think, where we look a little bit like a mud bog. And tonight was big, heavy mud bogs with big tires and revving engines and just kind of grinding through it. And you can win games like that, and, frankly, the Jazz – Put on a defensive performance tonight that's as good as you can be. Well, as you just mentioned, you have to grind games out like this. And maybe the defense and the way they defended the Jazz had a lot to do with that. But the, but thank goodness that, you know, Gordon, Derek Favors had a pretty good basketball game. The Jazz never shot over 41% here tonight. Uh, some poor shooting. Uh, I thought was just a little bit too much dribbling. And uh, We'll see what Quinn has to say about that. But, again, you know, this is a team that's not supposed to beat the Jazz, and so the Jazz were able to, 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 to grind it out. We don't have George Hill tonight, and the Jazz point guard play was not very good from Shelvin Mack and Dante Exxon. The two of them combined for 5 of 17 from the field and a lot of turnovers and no offensive flow. Then you're going to have to win it defensively. And Favors and Gobert played each played over 35 minutes. They played a huge amount of minutes together. They have not done a lot of that. They had only played six fourth-quarter minutes together all season long before tonight. And they came in, and the Magic could not get anything inside at all. Yeah. Jazz ended up with seven block shots. Five of those block shots came from Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. But the the, the, the floor game, I, I thought, of, of, of Gordon. You know, you mentioned he was close to a triple-double with 10 rebounds, 8 assists, ended up with 20 points, and didn't even score in the fourth quarter. So, you know, those are the star players that you have on your basketball team that you expect 
to to uh, to show up in basketball games like this. You keep wanting to talk about Gordon. I keep wanting to talk about defense. I'm yeah. going back to defense again. Yeah. Serge Ibaka goes three of twelve. Nikolai Vukovic goes two of twelve. Favors and Gobert just completely. Bismack Biyombo goes one of five. Their three bigs. Jeff Green goes one of six. Aaron Gordon went four of nine. Their three primary bigs went six of twenty nine from the field. You want to talk about Gordon? I'm going to. Uh, the reason I'm talking about <laughs> Gordon is because I'm, that's, that's, that team is in, in almost. I can't say those words what I was thinking right now. That is not a very good basketball team. They can't shoot. I mean, what did the Jazz do defensively that was so special that kept them in Here, this Here would be my game? answer to that. I thought the thing that the, the coaches really talked about, Igor Kokoskov led shooter on today, was know your personnel. Yeah. There was a moment, and I don't want to talk about a player, but there was a moment where Antonio Lang made a move in shooter on today, and the comment was, he doesn't do that. Remember that? Yes, they were talking about a player, and they said, he doesn't do that. And the Jazz had narrowed down so specifically what certain players could and couldn't do, and so they just took away the whole floor. When Alfred Payton was on the floor, they gave him five to ten feet of space every time, and so he couldn't move. When Aaron Gordon was on the floor, they gave him space. And when Vukovic wanted to play straight up, they wouldn't let him play straight up tonight. So they just kept, and Serge Ibaka just was unimpactful. They just did. I thought the, the the execution, the game plan, the personnel, and you know, it kind of reminds me every now and then when I, I would go back to the Oklahoma City City San Antonio playoff series last year. When you suddenly looked out on the floor and you're like, oh wow, they're bigger and stronger and faster at every position. The Jazz were close to bigger, stronger, and faster at every position tonight, and they physically showed that to win the game. So that's what I thought they did defensively. Let's go back to Gordon. Gordon really, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, and and, and was really, he, until he, I thought he fatigued, but he, he was dominating. Well, he impacted the game, that's for sure, especially in the first three quarters. And maybe even in the fourth quarter, because they get to the point where they're paying so much attention to him, and then all of a sudden Rodney Hood comes comes to life, and, and the Jazz were able to separate themselves for, from this team. But... Uh, like we said during the broadcast, this is the ball game that you just throw away the tape. You don't even show this to your team any anymore because I don't think the Jazz did anything special other than the fact that, as you mentioned, know your personnel, know what they can do in certain situations out there on the floor, and that should be pretty simple. This was very much like a last year's Jazz game, very slow-paced. They had eight different players with assists. Gordon Hayward had the ball in his hands almost the entire game. Uh, the impact of George Hill not being with the team is going to be that the burden on Rodney Hood and Gordon Hayward right now is extreme. It's the same thing we saw last year, and they're they're going to fatigue out on this one. Tomorrow is going to be a tough day. And speaking of t- tomorrow, we're joined by Dave Vermill of Locked On Heat for a little pregame uh, look at the Heat who have, have fallen. This this is just a very different Heat. Give us a summary of of what this team is. Well, they're two and five right now. Obviously, lacking leadership with the absence of Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Uh, they're still a young team, but they've got some veteran presence there in Goran Dragic and, of course, Hassan Whiteside, who resigned this team with a team this summer. So they're kind of looking for an identity right now. They're going to be remaining gritty throughout every, each and every game. They're going to be competitive, but at the same time, they lack a closer, a clear identity to help close out games and, and assure them of any victory, and that's why they struggled so far this year. And Dragic left the building in a boot the other night after spraining an ankle. If he can't go, what is their point guard situation? 
that's debatable. At this point, you could probably start Tyler Johnson or Deion Waiters. Josh Richardson, who just recently came back from an MCL strain, uh, might be able to come back and start at this point at the two guards. So they can do a lot of different things there. They have the kind of flexibility and, and, and enough depth in the roster that they might start a couple of different players. I'd look to see uh, Deion Waiters slide down to the point guard position because Tyler Johnson is more effective, I think, as a, as a boost off the bench. Are they a slow-paced, fast-paced, half-court execution, open-floor game? What is Eric Spolster trying to do? Right now, they prefer to play at a faster pace. That's Goran Dragic's strength. Um, I think with the youth on this team, Justice Winslow, Tyler, uh, Josh Richardson, etc., they can you know pick up the pace pretty quickly, and that's what they weren't able to do last year with Wade, so I think that's what their preference would be. But unfortunately, they still get bogged down a little bit, and they have to feed the big man, and Whiteside does slow things down considerably. Dave, you worked with us today watching the Jazz. This was not a very pretty display. Um, it was kind of like making, I don't know, it was more of a Jackson Pollock than a Monet. How's that, right? Like, it was a little messy. Um, from looking at the Jazz and matching up with the Heat, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think the, the power forward battle is going to be an interesting one there. I think, uh, you know, Derek Favors is probably going to have a huge night because, unfortunately, Miami's depth at power forward is lacking. They start Luke Babbitt. Uh, they bring in James Johnson, who is a, a, an accomplished veteran but not necessarily a strong player at this point. So I think he probably going to – I think Favors is probably going to have a huge game tomorrow. So that would be my key to the, uh, a Jazz victory. Interesting. Jazz will be playing their fifth game in seven nights, so I think a huge amount of it. And against a really good defensive team. I mean, Miami's still third in the league defensively. Frankly, I think it's a really bad script for Utah because to beat Miami, you've got to deal with their physical prowess, their defense. And when you're tired, that's the last thing you want to do. So I actually think this one, I think it might be about as ugly as tonight, but I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's going to be a very, very difficult game. Uh, for, am I off base for that, or does that make some sense to you? No, it makes absolute sense. I think Miami's going to be a little, you know, coming down off of an, uh, an emotional game against Dwayne Wade on Thursday night. Um, they'll probably be a little re-energized and refocused, so we'll see what happens. It should be an interesting one. There's a lot of key matchups there that should be a good one. Don't know what's happening here, but it's the most excitement of the night. Jazz win, 87-74. That is postcast Ron Boone, Dave Vermill of Locked On Heat. Nice enough to join us for this special edition on the Jazz. Here on the Locked On Jazz on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.